You're listening to Avid Research. Avid Research. Avid Research. An Australian STEM podcast. Where we answer the questions you never quite got around to asking. Welcome back to the show team. My name's Amelia and today we have a super cool guest on the show. We have Jessie Lee Fry, who is a senior AI ML specialist at AWS. Welcome to the show, Jessie. Hi, thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. I mean, there's a lot of acronyms that we've already mentioned, so I think we could be doing a bit of defining, but we're going to start with, it's not going to be an easy question, but what is your job? Okay, so I'm basically the worldwide business development lead for Amazon recognition with a focus on identity verification and fraud prevention. And essentially what that entails is that I help organizations leverage machine learning and AI to combat fraud and drive innovation on behalf of their customers. Which sounds like an awesome elevator pitch. Yes. Beautiful. (laughs) But there's a lot of things in there that I don't think we can assume people know what they mean. So maybe let's just like back it up a bit. What is AWS? So AWS is essentially a subsidiary of Amazon.com, and it basically provides on-demand cloud computing platforms and APIs to anyone from uh, individuals to companies to government agencies, and uh, we are metered on a pay-as-you-go basis. So as of 2021, I believe we, by we, I mean AWS comprises of over 200 products and services. So we go from computing to storage to networking databases, all the way through to deployment, uh, machine learning, developer tools, and Internet of Things. I mean, this is just to name a few. And fun fact, this podcast is hosted on AWS. Yes, so you're probably I think that's, listening. Uh, that's why it runs so smoothly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the that's that's the secret sauce. Okay, so it sounds like AWS is huge. Probably could could have a couple of its own podcasts, if if not more. Yeah. So within that, you're doing AI ML. Mm-hmm. What is AI? Okay, so first of all, AI stands for artificial intelligence, and it is. Basically, the simulation of human intelligence processes by machines. And you can find it mostly in computer systems. Awesome. Okay. So what does that look like at AWS? Yes. So we, so at AWS more specifically, we focus on delivering machine learning platforms so that anyone from a developer or data scientist can develop their own model using SageMaker, for instance, all the way through to having ready-made you know, AI services that can address a particular problem, going from adding personalization to your engine really easily, all the way through to delivering computer vision, where you can have identity verification, uh, so taking a selfie, getting that selfie compared across a collection of faces to ensure that you are the person that you say you are, all the way through to uh, speech recognition through you know different services like Comprehend, and we also have Textract where you can extract text from documentation, so it it it, it can accelerate you know document processes uh, processing like insurance uh, document processing and and so on and so forth. So. Really, we try to cater to everyone. And so if you are someone who's new and doesn't really know about machine learning or AI, but want to start leveraging it, um, you can use one of our many 
AI services, which are essentially ready for you to use and implement with little to no machine learning experience, all the way through to I'm a developer, I want to develop machine learning in a structured way without necessarily worrying about, you know, all the different uh, algorithmic checks and balances, but rather have kind of the box to do it in myself. And then you can also use SageMaker. So yeah, we, we, we kind of try to cater to everyone. So for people listening, what's an example of machine learning that they might have bumped into in the real world? Mm, that's a great question. So one great example is Amazon Alexa, which runs on our machine learning and AI services, uh, where you're able to kind of say, hey, you know, uh, Alexa, can you please add this item to my grocery shopping list? And it will remind you. It also integrates with your Amazon app where you can say you can see said list and then kind of put that order through and really kind of saving time. I'm thinking, so, okay, so we've got like voice recognition where we can talk to our computers now, which is kind of mind-blowing. I'm going to get like stuff where you like bring your phone up to your face and the phone recognizes your face. Maybe that might be an example of machine learning. I feel like it's going to be everywhere and it's just kind of invisible to most people on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, so identity verification through your phone, unlocking your phone with your face. Uh, that's very much identity verification. Your ring doorbell is another one, right? Being able to have someone at your door and being told that there's someone at your door going in through the live feed or being able to set recordings based on specific patterns or someone from Amazon being able to deliver my package into my garage without me having to be there. And they have, you know, a code or some sort of recognition for them to be able to go in there uh, and close the door and it's all super safe. So really kind of using AI, AI for good, really, in this instance, making our lives easier every step of, of the way. I didn't know you could do the garage thing. I don't, that sounds like some futuristic. Yeah, you can. It's awesome. I, I'm doing it and it's amazing. Like all my, it's called key delivery. It sounds like, I, I remember when, I, when it first became available, it sounded a little bit, you know, mm. scary. I don't want someone to enter my garage when I'm not there or when I'm there. But it's super, super safe. And it's so nice because then I can get my Amazon packages delivered inside my garage. It closes my garage straight after. And you get a notification as soon as they are on their way, when they're a few stops away. And then you can see when they're coming and they're opening your garage. It gives you a notice. You can integrate it with your ring doorbell so that essentially the two are talking to one another. And then it tells you when the door has been closed and where the package has been delivered. So you have three apps essentially talking to one another. It's pretty cool. Like that's beyond smart house and they're heading into smart everything. Oh, talking about smart houses, uh, houses actually, your whole temperature control, right? Being able to have the algorithm essentially understand the threshold of temperature you're looking to achieve in winter and setting up the heater to go on, uh, you know, when it's under that threshold. You can also kind of switch off your heater and put a minimum viable threshold of, let's say, 40 degrees. And that uh, Fahrenheit, I'm new to the Fahrenheit world. I've just moved to the United States. (laughs) So forgive me if that's either too high or too low. And you can get the heater to go in automatically, even when you're not at home and on vacation. So it's pretty cool. So your job is to like help businesses realize the potential of like AI and ML 
for identity verification specifically? Yeah, I look after essentially any customers that are looking to implement some sort of fraud prevention through identity verification or just looking to make their platform more secure with identity verification, right? So it's really kind of ensuring that if they have, I don't know, anything could be from a delivery driver all the way through to a counselor on an app and essentially kind of saying that this person is indeed who they say they are. If you're entering a building and you are a, let's say, a cleaner and you want to be let in and you want to be, you know, you can be passless by essentially just ensuring that your credentials have been loaded into the platform and then that you go in, you show your face, takes a screenshot of your face, checks that against the database uh, and then being able to you know, essentially access a building and do your job um, without the need to be, to have cumbersome things like a badge and so on. And something that's easily handed to somebody else, whereas your face is much less easily. Well, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. Am I allowed to ask, because it is a space in which people get a bit uncomfortable about privacy, like how does your role sort of interact with that privacy sort of piece? Like, have you come across friction from people who see it as like an invasion? I think there is always a concern with anything in regards to your face or your fingerprints. You know, I think we've come a long way from us being reluctant to show our fingerprints to that being uh, essentially a mandatory thing in some countries to check that you are who you say you are. So I think it's always a you know, top of mind for all customers, I would say. And and we have a, all, a whole host of teams who essentially put the necessary infrastructure and level of transparency that is required for them to address those comments. So I typically tend to help in terms of providing the guidelines and, and what we have. And, and if there is anything outside of that guideline that needs to be escalated and, you know, we need to make an exemption, we are very proud to be customer obsessed. And I think that is one of the things that we do is escalate and ensure that the customer is, you know, that their concerns are addressed and that they're put at bay with the necessary steps, of course. Okay. So there's a, there's groups of people whose job it is, is to help make these things. Quicker. Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like an interesting job where you get to interact with a lot of people and think about a lot of different like problems and use cases. What does an average day at work look like for you? All right. So uh, an average day in my life. Well, I'll start off by saying it's tad busy, but I love every minute of it. Uh, I work uh, a global role, so I can start calls as early as 5 a.m., but that isn't always the case. Uh, I work with customers, and as I mentioned, I help them put together solutions or a path to a solution in addressing their problem statement or um, help them, you know, reach a particular goal that they're looking to achieve with our computer vision solutions. Now, I also spend some time strategizing on how I can help more customers at scale. And that includes essentially delivering enablement, both internally and externally, where we essentially train others on what we do and how we do it, and how we can help them. And of course, bringing awareness of how we can leverage AI and ML, artificial intelligence and machine learning to help achieve our goals, uh, whether they are our personal goals, we can use this in our everyday life, or you can use them uh, as part of your organization in virtually anything. So it sounds like there's a lot of meetings? Yes, there's a lot of meetings. 
meeting phone calls, talking to people. Yep. Yeah, it goes from talking to product management folks to talking to marketing people to talking to our customers, talking to our partners. I do a lot of speaking, uh, but also a lot of active listening. I think I need to ensure that I listen to all of the people that I speak to so that I can help them and in turn, they can also help me. What are some of the skills that you need? Like obviously active listening and being able to communicate is really important. But on top of that, like Mm -hmm. what kind of skills do you need to be able to do such a big job? Of course. I think more practically, I think you need to be organized, very organized and a ruthless prioritizer. I have very ambitious goals and ensuring that I, you know, align the necessary teams, the necessary solutions and product features is really critical. Another side of it is that, you know, if you, whether you come from a technical background or not, you really need to ensure that you've developed technical acumen because that will be critical to being able to speak to the right people. I tend to speak to many different people in many different industries. So I'm not aligned to a particular industry, right? I can go from speaking to someone in telco to speaking to someone in gig economy. And the roles that I tend to speak to vary from CEOs all the way through to, you know, security managers, program managers product managers. So it is very important for me to ensure that I know how to speak to them. I know what they're interested in and I need to be clear on how to articulate the benefits that will be relevant to them. Yeah. Okay. I do love the idea of ruthless prioritization though. Yes. That sounds like a skill that a lot of people (laughs) would love to hone, I guess. Mm. For sure. I think it's something you learn across your journey, right? I don't think uh, it's all innate within us. I think we learn what drives us. And then we learn to try and achieve some sort of balance across ensuring that we do what needs to be done, but also ensuring that we do things that will help strategically advance the cause for the future. Because sometimes it's not just about addressing the now, it's also ensuring that we address what's necessary for the future and finding the balance between the two can be a little challenging. Yeah. I feel like it's a game of trial and error and learning from the errors. For sure. What was your path to get here because I feel like this is this is not a job that someone you know in their final year of high school goes I want to be the senior AI ML specialist at AWS like they probably don't know that exists so what was the plan versus like what actually happened from high school okay so I think I'll give you a quick preface based on my time at AWS and then I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit further back there's been a lot of twists and turns so I think that should be quite a journey for us. Uh, But I've always had an interest in AIML, um, but kind of always felt like without the academic background, I simply just couldn't get into it. So it really was through my, you know, my time at AWS, where I've held different positions and did a, a, you know, different projects that I started delivering results. And through networking, I was given the chance to use my colorful experience and apply it to AI and ML across Asia Pacific. So elaborating further, maybe back in terms of what I actually wanted to do, I wanted to work in science. I wanted to be a biologist Mm. and life took me a completely different way. And I kind of started working fairly early on in my life. And um, I started looking at uh, or working in accounting and uh, marketing as an accounting and marketing assistant very early on. And that gave me an opportunity to implement. It was a very small cleaning company. And 
I was given the opportunity to implement a CRM, customer relationship management software. And I thought, oh, this sounds cool. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'll try it. And I implemented it and um, it was great. It was very interesting and found the whole tech space from that tiny little exposure very interesting. So I then eventually got a role as an account manager for another smaller company that was building software within the property management industry. And there really enjoyed both the interpersonal skills it required to sell but also the technical aspect of understanding the features and correlating the features to the demand uh, from the customer. And I did that across a couple of different companies, uh, some of them not technical and realized, or not selling a software, and, and, and I realized my love for technology. So then I thought, well, I really enjoy kind of speaking to people about technology, but I'd like to do a little bit more. And I was approached to be a project manager for a engineering company in the UK. And that was really my big break in the context of like the corporate ladder, if you know, because it was a really large organization. And um, I started implementing HR softwares across Europe and then moved on to eventually implementing, you know, global transformations across the ERP, standing for enterprise resourcing planning, resource planning um, solutions, and all the satellite services across that and products. I then moved away from the UK and decided to relocate to Hong Kong to gain some larger exposure into Asia and, and how to work with dynamic cross-cultural teams. And there I became a consultant. I was eventually hired by the consulting, by the organization I was working for to be essentially heading up their global supply chain transformation across their end-to-end life cycle. And that included essentially developing my own products, so taking on more of a product manager role as well as a head of transformation role, which was really, really interesting. And then moved over to Singapore. And that is where I started working for AWS. And there I was in charge of essentially implementing all the you know, mechanisms and solutions related to our customer success team across Asia Pacific and Japan. And the rest is history. I then moved into uh, machine learning and AI and now relocating to relocated to Seattle and uh, leading uh, business development for penalty verification fraud prevention. That is a long journey from like starting in accounting and marketing. That is, and, and like presumably starting on the other side of the world too, right? Like you didn't just change jobs a huge amount, you bounced around the planet, which... That's very brave, I think, changing jobs and changing locations at the same time. Yeah, I think it's definitely scary the first time. And it's a little scary every other time, but it becomes less and less scary because the more you learn from the prior experience, the more ready you feel for the next one. You make that sound very, very neat and tidy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm an organized and neat person, what can I say? That's fair. How do you feel when you look back on that journey like yeah do you have bits of it that you look back and like wow that was like really bold or yeah is there any sort of like particular emotions when you look back on your journey tired I think would be the first one (laughs) we're all tired (laughs) No, but, but on a more serious note I think I sometimes look at some of the earlier steps I've taken in my career and I was just like, that was a little bit presumptuous of you, Jesse, to think that you could do that. <laughs> but I've 
no, I think I'm just, uh, I'm just grateful, really. Gratefulness, grateful that I've met people along the way who've given me, you know, a chance to succeed. And, and a lot of people have, have helped shape my work and shape what I do. I couldn't be where I am today without all the people that I work with today and yesterday and the day before. I, I've developed strong relationships with a lot of my colleagues, a lot of my customers, because they've really, you know, seen a potential and they've helped seize that potential. So, so I think just grateful is probably the, the biggest emotion I feel towards, towards looking back. That's fantastic. Were there any, in, in that path, like it, obviously a lot of different things happened, but were there any like key events which sort of helped pivot you in particular directions? Yeah, I think I've had, I guess I would preface this with two words. One being, the first one being mentors, which I've touched upon, and the other one, epiphanies. Oh. I don't Thank think you. anyone's mentioned an epiphany on this show before. This is exciting. Well, I guess it's kind of a fancier way of saying, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I've had, you know, a few pivotal moments in my career. Uh, one from the account management role to the project management role. And it was really into kind of looking at my day-to-day -day and thinking to myself, hmm, I really enjoy this particular portion. I want to do this for a living. And I want to get more into this. So then I just research things. and. Uh, I, get, I go onto the good old interweb and try to assess the patterns of what other people have done in, in the past, but also what types of roles are available in the industry that I'm looking to get into. And that kind of, you know, gets me onto the next step. Once I decide this is the direction I want to take, I just go for it. And same, same thing about, you know, moving from product and transformation to, you know, now working on business development and in machine learning and, and, and AI, it was really kind of looking at what AWS offers in terms of products and services and networking with people and realizing, wow, I think I really want to work in machine learning and AI and make a difference in this space. How do I get involved? I start reading books and I started networking and I started educating myself and really kind of Having those small yet powerful epiphanies that were very kind of inward looking allowed me to then focus on what is it that I was going to do next. It sounds like you really need to give yourself space, like not just to be reacting to your day to day, but also to take a step back and like think about the longer, like the bigger picture, but also think about like looking inwards and being like, what is it that I'm actually enjoying in this role? So it sounds like space is actually quite important. I think you're right. And I think you can achieve your goals depending on whatever drives you, but you need to be kind of honest with yourself. And we spend, my philosophy is this, we spend a tremendous amount of our time working, right? So if we can try and do something that we enjoy to a certain extent, it's not going to be, you know, beds of roses every day. But nothing is. But I think working in something that you believe in, as I guess corny as it sounds, can be achieved or something that interests you. It doesn't have to be super philosophical, but um, definitely working on something that inspires you, something that you're interested in, something that you see yourself grow from, whatever drives you as a person, right, is very important. And reassessing constantly is also an important step. You, you know, nothing about career is linear we as human beings aren't linear. There's not a secret source to, to progression and, and, and where we think we're going to be in 10 to 20 years from now. So 
space is definitely required. And I think, and this is just sort of something that's come out of conversations I've had with people recently, people feeling like if they make a decision to take a job, they're like somehow stuck in that for a very long period of time. And giving yourself like opportunities to do that reflection, I think is really important. Yes. And and I can definitely attest to a couple of times in my career, having been in roles where the role was okay, but maybe the management wasn't, or the management was great, but the role wasn't exactly what I had expected. And being able to one, assess what is that I really want to do and that I thought I was going to do. And can I scope that role to be what I want it to be and have an honest conversation with your manager if if management material is there. But on the other hand, it's like most roles are varied. Most, not all, but most roles are varied. So ensuring that you give yourself that space to think, okay, you know, I can't obviously change roles every week. I mean, you can, but uh, you're, <laughs> I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't advise it. Give something a chance for at least, you know, six months to a year, I would say, and assess what in that role you might enjoy just a little bit and get that to help you bear with it for a little while. I was about to ask you some for some advice and that sounded like really lovely advice. So do you happen to have some <laughs> extra advice on top of that? Like, is there anything, like any advice you wish you could give to young Jesse, for example? Oh, yes. I would say remain open-minded. As I've mentioned, nothing is linear. So things and plans and expectations are going to shift and change and grow and, you know, but it's all going to work out in the end. Embrace failure. Don't be so afraid of it. Embrace it because it will build resilience. But those failures mark you and they cause a fundamental shift in the way that you in the future will address and deal with a particular situation, whether it is through acquiring a new skill or being more surrounded by the right people, whatever it is, right? And the last one I would say is really get to know yourself over time. Keep being in touch with yourself so that you can really work to achieve that work-life harmony. Sometimes work isn't everything. So ensuring that you achieve, you know, what you're looking out for is, is really critical to remaining a sane human being. We all do our best. Sanity is not guaranteed, obviously. But I, th- I love embracing failure, obviously. But I think what you just said there about getting to know yourself over time, like not like getting to know yourself as a 15-year-old versus a 25-year-old, 35-year-old, 45-year-old, like they're all very different people. You can't just sort of keep that 15-year-old identity because that's when you had time to do your sort of like self-reflection. You can't necessarily assume that everything, making the decisions as a 50-year-old to appease that 15-year-old is not going to. Absolutely. Are there any particular myths or misconceptions that you've come across around your work that you would like to take this opportunity to do some myth busting? That is an unattainable area to get into, I would say. Come and join us. <laughs> we have, and I don't mean this by we as an AWS, but just in general, the field has a tremendous amount of roles. You're, you know, it, we go from having fantastic data scientists to marvelous product managers, program managers, BDs, all the way through to marketing folks, you know, sales people. So I I think it's uh, researchers, uh, solutions architects. So I think it is, you know, it is an entire organization of its own and it is still nascent. It is super exciting. And 
if you are a self-starter, I think this is a re and, and if you also have an academic background, I mean, it's really an area that most people uh, can, can get into. Uh, and I think that's the biggest myth I'd like to, to bust. Can I say that myth I'd like yeah. to bust? Can I, is that accurate no, that's, in English? Okay, cool. That's Sorry. actually perfect English. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I love that because it sort of feels like AI and ML is, I don't know, for you, you can't, can't touch, touch it. It's for the super smart people. Far away. It's like in space, in a Star Trek uh, spaceship over there. Yeah, I had the same feeling. And it's just, of course, it requires a steep learning curve. You know, you have to understand all the basics and different types of algorithms, types of problems that they answer. I mean, that's as interested as you are to get. But also don't undervalue the experience that you can bring that doesn't necessarily involve machine learning and AI to help us think laterally about something or differently about something, you know? That diversity is really critical to ensuring that we serve our customers best. And I was going to just add in a little like uh, advert for diversity here and that this is one of those spaces where it is really important to have a representation of people from all different backgrounds and who think all different ways and experience life in all different ways because like it's stuff we interact with every day and we want – I'm always – a proponent that the people who are making their technology should in some ways at least reflect the communities who are using it. Absolutely. I think that's uh, really well put. Is there anything else we haven't talked about that you'd like to take this opportunity to share? No, I think we've covered it all. We've covered everything. That's amazing. Well, in that case, we're going to start wrapping up and I'm going to ask you for a shout out for someone or someone who you think is doing an awesome job and deserves virtual high fives from all the listeners. I think uh, the special shout out I think I'd like to give is to a few folks that have helped me in prior roles that don't really realize that they've helped me and, and that have left a very, you know, I, I don't know how to say this without sounding corny, but you know, like a footprint on, on my career and, and on my impressions. So I think, so Marc Lourty would be one person based out of Belgium. I don't know if he's still based there. Nicola Quintens. And more closer to home, I have a great mentor, Daniel Slater, who's been a fabulous person to continue to speak to and learn from, especially when it comes to public speaking, which is somewhere he excels, all the, all the way through to um, fantastic uh, technical folks that have helped me build acumen in this space, Chris King, Andrew Kane over in the UK. Tushar Agrawal, um, Sean Simmons, uh, and I'm only naming a few, Oliver Myers, just people who've uh, been really supportive and, and helpful to me. And I'm sure I'm forgetting a lot now. I feel really guilty. But just all the friends in my mind. <laughs> so high fives to everyone. And, uh, you know, some of my favorite mentors are the people who don't realize that they've mentored you. I, it's quite lovely. Yes. Oh, and one more, Craig Styers. Craig Styers is a wonderful gentleman. He's the one who actually gave me the chance to get into AIML in the first place. So thank you, Craig. Extra high five to Craig. So Absolutely. I also want to extend that out to all the people everywhere who are mentoring or don't realize that they've like helped and supported people because it's, it's so important. So high fives to everybody. Absolutely. And I've also mentioned one more, Chomchana Trevai over in ASEAN. Thank you, Chom. You've helped me a lot learning about what business development is like in machine learning and AI. So thank you. 
Sorry for everyone, I forgot. That's always a risk when you start naming individuals. Absolutely. I'm just like, and as we're speaking, I'm thinking about new people and this is never going no. to end. So yep. I better you stop. You can start your own <laughs> podcast to thank the people. So absolutely. thank you so much for coming on the show, Jesse. This has been absolutely delightful. I think hopefully we're all feeling a little bit, a little bit more knowledgeable about AI and ML. Who knows? But thank you so much for coming. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this episode, please pass it on to someone else who you think might enjoy it as well. And if you want to support Avid Resets this year, that would be amazing. Uh, you can buy us a coffee. Head to avidresearch.com.au and there'll be a link. Buy me a coffee and you can support us with a one-off little coffee payment. Thanks so much for listening. You're a legend. Bye.